Welcome to the sermon podcast of Harbor Church, located in downtown Olympia, capital city of Washington State. If you're looking for a church to belong to in the South Sound region, we invite you to visit us during one of our Sunday worship gatherings at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. For more information about Harbor Church, visit our website at harborolympia.com. Good morning to you all. Thank you, Ben, for leading us. Um, and I also just want to say good morning to the kids. We've got the kids here with us. Family Sunday. I'm so glad that you're, you're singing with us and hanging out with us uh, and excited to, to hear about Jesus. Um, if you're visiting here with us or have only been here a handful of times, uh, my name is Caleb. I serve as one of the pastors here. It's a privilege to do so. Um, there's five of us currently, and I just happen to be the one with the best hair. So you know it's going to be a good sermon. Our pastor, our lead pastor Seth is out on sabbatical, so I just want to encourage you to continue to pray for him and his family. Just pray for Pastor Seth that, that they would get the rest, that he would get the rest that he needs and that they would get quality time together as he will be returning in uh, the month of August. So just continue to keep him uh, in your prayers. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, let's go ahead and get started. We're going to continue on in the book of Acts. Uh, turn, turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 17, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 15. Last Sunday, Pastor Jerry preached the remainder of Acts 16 where we learned who's really in charge, that, that God is in control. Uh, the Word of God is continuing to expand here in the book of Acts. The gospel's being shared with the people in Macedonia, which is where the Spirit of Jesus has, uh, has appointed Paul and Silas and Timothy to go so that more people will come to know who Jesus is. Uh, Paul cast out a spirit from a slave girl, which led to them being attacked uh, and stripped and, and beaten and, and later imprisoned in uh, Philippi. Uh, that was last week. And through that uh, imprisonment, uh, of the Philippian jailer and his whole household actually come to faith in the Lord Jesus. After this, in Acts 16, uh, Paul and Silas are set free and they go and visit Lydia, who recently came to faith, and, and the other believers who were there as well. And they go into a city after that that you may have heard of, especially if you've read First uh, and Second Thessalonians, uh, called Thessalonica. So where we're at today in the book of Acts in chapter 17, First uh, uh, the, the, uh, and 2 Thessalonians was written just a couple years after where we're at today. Uh, in the book of Acts. I've titled today's message, Knowing the Word and Sharing the Word. Here in the reading of God's Word, it says this, Acts 17, 1 through 15. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. 
And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a, commandment, or after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you've gathered us here together. And Lord, we do pray that you would be exalted in our time together. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help me to explain your word. I pray uh, that we would be changed and transformed by your word. I pray that you would show us and reveal to us what is in it. And you would help us to be, uh, help me to be a vessel and help us to be vessels to take your word and to share it with the people in our lives that we interact with every day as true witnesses, faithful witnesses of yours. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's take a look at uh, verses 1 through 4 and start working through the text here in uh, chapter 17. In verse 1, it says, They came to Thessalonica, and there was a synagogue of the Jews. Paul and Silas, still likely having the fresh wounds and bruises from being beaten in Philippi and chained up in the stocks, their feet were in the stocks in prison, uh, are now walking into Thessalonica to share the good news of Jesus. And if you've noticed if we've, as we've been going through the book of Acts that it was common for Paul when he went into a new city to go to a Jewish synagogue first, it was his strategy. He could get his foot in the door because he was previously Saul of Tarsus. Uh, so he knew the ins and outs of what it means to be a Pharisee, what it means to be a Jew. And so it gave him a foot in the door to be able to preach the gospel to the Jews in that synagogue. And that's why it says, if you look uh, in your Bibles at verse 2, Paul went in as was his custom. And you could really hear uh, Paul's heart and how bad he wants the Jews to hear the gospel uh, in Romans 9, uh, uh, verse 3, where he says, For I wish, I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul wants the Jews to know who the true Messiah is, and he wants them to know Jesus. 
So Paul goes, Paul and Silas go, and they preach the word in the synagogue in this town. And, and in verse 2, it says that they did this for three Sabbath days. Three Sabbath days reasoning with them from the Scriptures, reasoning with them from God's Word. Over the course of three weeks, over the course of three Saturdays, spending time with the Jews and in, 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 in preaching the gospel to them from the Word, how the Word is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And they reasoned with them. That's the first word that we see there in verse 2. They reasoned with them. The word here for reasoning has its root in the word dialogue, if you've heard the word dialogue, meaning that there was an exchange taking place between Paul and the Jews in the synagogue. There was conversation. There was back and forth questions and answers and so on. He was talking with them and he was reasoning with them. But he was doing so from the Scriptures. That's why we preach the Bible and not our own opinion of things. Trust me, you don't want my opinion of things. It doesn't matter. It's only God's Word that matters. And in fact, from the moment Peter, if you remember in Acts 2, stood up to preach at Pentecost, Peter stood up and he lifted his voice and he preached out of the word of God. And he went to Joel chapter 2, 28 through 32, where it says, In these last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall dream dreams and so on. And all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then Peter jumps to Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your holy ones see corruption. Then he goes to Psalm 110.1, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The point being is that the birth of the church was grounded and rooted and founded in the Word of God. The first sermon ever preached in the church was preached out of the Word of God. And so therefore, every Christian must be steeped in the Word of God. And when Paul reasoned from the Scriptures with the Jews at Thessalonica, he was communicating to them the Word of God in light of its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. It's when a Christian or a church starts operating outside of Scripture that things go sideways really fast, saying that the Bible's old, saying that the Bible's out of date, saying that we need to bend the Bible in order to fit kind of what culture is like right now, that's when things really go sideways. The God-breathed scriptures are true and right, and that thinking is completely false. Additionally, in Acts chapter 4, when the believers pray for boldness, they even pray the scriptures. They pray Psalm 2, 1 and 2. Why did the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and so on. The apostles' teaching and preaching and witnessing to others is saturated in the word of God. And so therefore, our teaching and our preaching and our witnessing must be saturated with the word of God as well. There in verse 3, so we, we see that he's reasoned. We, we see uh, uh, also that he is explaining. So Paul not only reasons from the Scriptures, but he explains the Scriptures with these Jews. And so 
the, the word that Luke uses here is like opening, uh, opening, like one would open the scriptures to you to, uh, to, to, to tell you what God is saying. The same language is used by Luke in his first letter of the gospel of Luke uh, in the road to Emmaus, Luke 24, uh, verse 25 through 27. Says this, and he and he said to them, "O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them in all the you get the point, all the scriptures, the things concerning Himself. If Pastor Seth was here, he would say, "I looked up that word all, and what did it mean? All, all the scriptures." Uh, of the things concerning himself, right? If you deny the need for the sufficiency of the scriptures for the Christian life and for witnessing, then you'll have to deny what Jesus himself said about the scriptures and the fact that they are all interpreted and that they all point to him. They're all about Jesus. And the word here for explaining is the same word where the disciples say, did not our hearts burn with us while he was talking with us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures. Paul here in Thessalonica was explaining, he was reasoning and explaining and opening the word of God to them. But not only that, there's another word that Luke gives us if you look at it in verse 3. He's also proving, he was proving the scriptures. And he wasn't just saying it, he was backing it up with evidence. There was strong evidence, real substance to prove what the Scriptures say. To prove means to set before. He was setting before them strong evidence. Because if we really are talking about life and death, I mean, if we're we're talking about judgment and redemption, if we're talking about never-ending life and never-ending torment, then we are going to want to prove these things and set before real evidence. Not just mere information. He was proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. Jesus suffered and died to absorb the wrath of God on the cross for our sins and that through his death, we receive eternal life. God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Justified by his blood and the atonement of our sins, but it also says that he had to rise from the dead, meaning the resurrection. There's proof there that Jesus is who he says he is. Uh, The resurrection proves that he is who he says he is. The fact that he's not here, the fact that there's no grave of his, the fact that there's no bones uh, in the grave, there there is no grave. It proves that what he says is true. Uh, It's what we say here every Sunday, every Easter Sunday, that he has risen because he doesn't just atone for our sins through his suffering and death, but it's his rising again from the grave that seals us for eternal life and proves that he is who he says he is. Paul didn't just lay a gospel track 
on the front counter of the Jewish synagogue in, the, in, the, in, the, in Thessalonica because faith comes by hearing. We know this from Romans 10, uh, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. If there's not the Word of God being shared and articulated in some form or fashion, then witness, witnessing isn't happening because what the, what, what the unbeliever needs to hear the most is what the Word of God says. He, he, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And here's what I want you to, to, to take away here from, from all this. Paul wanted the Thessalonians to know who Jesus is really, really bad. He stayed there for a long time. He reasoned with them. He explained. He proved over the course of three weeks and probably even longer that they would know who Jesus is. And, and I just want to ask us this morning, how bad do we want the people that we interact with every day to know Jesus. The people that we talk to at the grocery store, the people that we interact with at work, um, the people that live right next to us, our neighbors, how bad do we want them to know Jesus? Paul spent time and reason with them and shared the word of God. And you spend time doing what you care about most. If, if you care the most about making money, then you're probably going to spend most of your time working. If you want to go on vacation, then you're going to spend time planning for it, all the details, so that by the time you do go on vacation, then you're going to spend time on vacation. It takes time, costly time, uh, here for the things that you care about most. Is witnessing something that we are spending time doing? Another way to gauge this is to ask ourselves the question, what is it that we talk about the most? Uh, is it work or career or politics or sports or family or hobbies? The, these are all good things, but it's, it's good to know that what we, we're usually worshiping whatever comes out of our mouth the most often. Is it the praise of God? Is it, is it prayer to God? What we talk about is the meditation on our heart. If you're talking about the eternal life that you've been given in Christ, the peace that transcends all understanding, if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you will talk about it and you will share it. Many of you know this about me. You know I don't like sports, right? You don't know that? Well, now you do. Um, so if we're in a group and we're, and we're talking and someone brings up sports, I'm, I'm already kind of a quiet guy, kind of a shy guy, but if, I'm gonna, if someone brings up sports, then I'm probably going to get really quiet because I just really don't know very much about it. Uh, and, and honestly, I, I, not, nothing against sports. It's great. I'm glad you, I'm glad you follow it. But, but I'm not going to have very much to say about it because I don't know much about it. Um, I can fake my way through a Super Bowl party long enough to get to the nachos and the wings. I will for sure do that. Uh, but if you were to really sit me down at that Super Bowl party and were, and were to say, like, Caleb, explain to me what uh, a safety is, or, a, or I don't know, I kind of know what a running back is. But if you were to really drill me on these questions, I don't think I'd be able to answer them because I don't really 
No, it's um, kind of like CrossFit too. Uh, if you're in the same room as someone who does CrossFit, then you're going to know about it <laughs> because they believe in it and they care about it and they're going to let you know about it. They're going to like convert you. Um, but it's the same, same way with the Christian, uh, it, it, you know, in sharing the word of God. Uh, not perfectly, but purposefully, are, are, are we sharing the word of God because we're believing it, because we know it, and we want to we share it with others? Again, not perfectly, but purposefully. I'm not perfect in this, and neither is anyone else in the room. Take a look with me at verse 4. And some of them that Paul was preaching to, some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. So some believed there in Thessalonica from the preaching of the word, not everybody. And then let's look at verses 5 through 7, where we see the Jews were jealous. So the Jews that didn't believe were jealous because the people in Thessalonica with, their, uh, uh, with influence were no longer looking to the Jews, but they started looking to Jesus, and they started believing in Jesus. Uh, last week, Pastor Jerry talked about idols, uh, and he mentioned how the owners of the slave girl in chapter 16 became furious when she no, could no longer make them any money from that spirit of divination that was within her, and Paul and Silas poked an idol at that point, so a mob was nearly formed. You see, the idol of the Jews here in Thessalonica was the praise of men. It was the praise of people. It was being made much of. It was being seen as wise and holy and devout. When the gospel was preached, Jesus was glorified, and they weren't, and so they became angry, and they were jealous over people flocking to these Christian missionaries and becoming Christians instead of coming to them, so they did something about it. What did they do? Verse 5, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, the rabble is a disorderly, lower-class, idle group of men in the marketplace, in other places in the Bible, we call them worthless fellows, and they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked. We see hostility here towards the preaching of the gospel because the world is hostile to the word of God because it has rejected the word of God. Jesus is the word of God incarnate in the flesh. John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, down to verse 14. We have seen His glory, glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He is rejected by the world because He is God, because He is love, because He is rightly owed all of the glory, all of your worship, all of your life. So if you are in love with your own life, or the things of this world, then you won't love Jesus. So the light, being the word of Christ, has pierced into the dark hearts of the Jews in the synagogue, the unbelieving Jews, and they love the darkness more than the light, so they attack, and persecution takes place, and they try to rid themselves of the light. So a violent mob was formed. 
was being formed. It's, this is similar, if you remember, when Satan entered Judas at the Last Supper. Uh, he gave away Jesus' location in the Garden of Gethsemane. So the chief priests and a mob was formed, if you remember. And uh, men with lanterns and torches and weapons came to arrest Jesus and take him by force. So persecution was a result of Jesus' preaching, and persecution is a result of Paul's preaching here in Thessalonica. So the Jews were angry, they hated the word of God preached, and therefore responded in this way in their jealousy. Jesus said, they hated me without a cause. They hate me even so, they'll hate you. If they persecute me, they will persecute you. And then it moves even further. Let's, let's keep looking at 5 through 7. Uh, we, we see that the, this mob stirred up by the Jews were seeking to deal violently with Paul and Silas, so they attacked the house of Jason. Poor Jason. We don't know much about Jason, but he, his house was attacked. Uh, he was a believer, uh, and they wanted, to, uh, they wanted to get Paul and Silas, but they were no longer there, so they brought out Jason uh, because he had previously hosted them. They dragged him and those other believers who were with him before the city authorities uh, who were in power and presented them as criminals. Um, see, uh, Thessalonica was the, um, was the capital of the Roman province of Macedonia. So this is a rather large city. Um, there, were, there were many gods. There were many uh, religions. There were many forms of worship. Uh, but because it was Roman ruled, you had to swear your allegiance to Caesar uh, who was the emperor of Rome. And Caesar was believed to be divine. So if you really wanted to get somebody in trouble, then the key way to do it was to point out these men as criminals, men who committed treason against Caesar by proclaiming Jesus as king and not Caesar as king. Which is why in, in verses 8 and 9 it says, And the people and the authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The city authorities were disturbed at the hearing because, uh, at the hearing of what was being said about Paul and Silas, but it was not enough for them to severely punish Jason or those with him for it, for they uh, only hosted Paul and Silas, so they took money from them. Uh, and, and let them go, meaning that it was basically bond money in exchange for letting them go freely. So here, here we see, too, it was not only Paul and Silas who were affected uh, by this persecution, but those who had believed and those who had followed as well. Um, and Paul and Silas likely got word of this uproar of the Jews and were able to move out of the city and away from this persecution. Verses 10 through 13, I want to camp out there for a while. Let's look at 10 through 13, Paul and Silas in Berea. So after this, the brothers or believers send Paul and Silas out by night to a city called Berea after getting word of the hostility, the Jews in Thessalonica. And while in Berea, again, Paul goes into another synagogue of the Jews. And it says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. I mean, 
what does it mean to be more noble? I mean, the bar's already set pretty low for being um, noble. The whole creating a violent mob thing, setting the city in an uproar thing, uh, is a pretty good example of the opposite of a noble action. But noble meaning they were more admirable, dignified. If you're, uh, if you're noble, then you're practicing in a higher class of godliness and gentleness to be a person of, uh, um, of character, to be a person of integrity, um, and, and, and not someone who would have a knee-jerk reaction, just like we saw. And so, uh, but, but also they were more noble because in verse 11 it says, they received the word with all eagerness. Received the word with all eagerness. Paul preached the word of God to them in the same way that he did uh, to the Jews in Thessalonica, but here we have a different result. Uh, they received the word of Christ preached. Um, they, they listened to it. Uh, they, they weighed it. They, they, they wrestled with it. They, uh, and they did so with eagerness and with, and with willingness and with readiness. They were ready and willing to receive the word of God that was being taught to them. And this is part of why they were more noble. There was a hunger and, and a desire to hear the truth, to know the truth that was being shared with them. Because before you can be a witness of the word of Christ, you have to eagerly know the word and receive it. Much heartache and anxiety and difficulty can be avoided by just coming to the scriptures to drink, to lie down in the green pastures of God's word, to prepare your heart to receive the word of God every day as well as here on Sunday mornings for the nourishment of your soul, receiving the word by sitting under it preached every week and to be eager to receive it. We have a picture of what it looks like to receive the word of God. Let's look at Psalm 19, 7 through 10. Should be up on the screen for you. It says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And look at this, verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the drippings of a honeycomb. I don't know about you, but I've never received some gold or tasted some honey. And I was like, man, I just got to get through this. I'm just so upset that I had to receive some gold today. I had to eat some honey. It's gross. It's a waste of time. Harbor Kids, are you still with me? How many of you like chocolate? Yes, it's so delicious. It's so good. I, I, I don't know anybody that doesn't like chocolate, but how about chocolate cake? Oh, would you just take a look at that? <laughs> Praise be to God. This is why I have a weight problem. <laughs> the parents are going to be upset with me because now they're going to have to come up with chocolate cake after the service. It looks so good. Psalm 19 says that the word is sweet like chocolate cake for our souls. 
How many of you kids would enjoy having a piece of this cake? I've never seen a kid take a, a slice of cake like this and receive it like it was celery or something like that. But they get all excited about it. They, uh, they get pumped up about it, right, kids? And, and, and with eagerness, they receive it. And they taste and see that it is good. And they rejoice because it is delicious and because it is sweet. God's word is like that for the Christian. It is sweet and it is good. We must taste and see that the Lord is good daily and come to his word that is sweet as honey, more precious than gold. Come to the scriptures in the morning this way and come to Sunday mornings with that in mind. Now, it's still a discipline. It's, it's, not, it's not easy. Um, there, there, there's a duty part of it. Uh, you have to get to the table. You, you have to pick up the fork and you have to eat the cake. Uh, but after you eat the cake, it's worth it, right? For the nourishment of your soul. Not only did the Berean Jews receive the word with all eagerness, but back to verse 11, they were examining the Scriptures. They examined the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They received the word of Christ. They searched the word of God diligently, listening to what Paul was saying and lining it up with the scriptures to see if it was true. We have to remember that at this point, I mean, we're talking about unbelievers here that are examining the scriptures. They haven't even believed or professed faith yet. How much more do we as Christians need to interpret life, interpret what we hear, interpret what we are believing through the scriptures like the Berean Jews are doing? Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, here at Harbor, we have the tendency to actually know a lot of the scriptures in kind of this uh, Reformed camp. We, we, have, we, we know vast theological concepts. We're Bible people. Many of us own a lot of books. Praise be to God. We love knowledge because we love to learn because the more we scrape the surface of the glories of Christ, the more that we realize that we actually know very little and you can't fully mine the depths of Christ because he's infinite. But knowledge can easily puff up, right? If it doesn't lead to living it. You can learn a lot of things and you can have a vast theological library and vocabulary. But when it comes down to the rubber hitting the road and applying the scriptures and everyday stuff of life, that's where obedience takes place. For what good is it if we know the ins and outs of complex doctrine, but we live differently? I personally could care less whether someone can articulate to me the false doctrine of transubstantiation. But what I do care about is how are you leading your family to the feet of Christ? How are you leading your family in prayer? How are you walking an intentional gospel community with brothers and sisters in Christ and taking this knowledge that we know and pouring it out and witnessing and in evangelism so more people would come to know who Jesus is. But that's what we see Paul and Silas doing here in Thessalonica and here in Berea. They knew Christ. They shared Christ all throughout this second missionary journey. I want us to look at James 1, 19 through 22. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. 
For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And what does it say? Receive with meekness the implanted word. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls and be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We cannot, it can't end with receiving the word and knowing it. We must be doers of it. And that's where eagerness comes into play here. The Jews in Berea received the word and there was eagerness to hear about Jesus that led to the daily examination of the word of God, which led to faith, which led to works. Um, Hearing the word leads to knowing the word, leads to believing the word, and leads to sharing the word. And we see the fruit of it too, verse 12. In chapter 17, we, we, we see the fruit here of Paul's ministry, many of them. Uh, in Thessalonica, it says some of them, but in Berea, many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. So if we come to the word with eagerness like the Berean Jews, we will see that he is true. Our faith will be bolstered and we will be strengthened Receive the word with eagerness, examine the scriptures for yourself and believe, and then share. So many believed in Christ. Paul and Silas knew the word, they shared the word, but because they were preaching in Berea also, let's look at verse 13, the same bunch of Jews who were upset and creating a mob in Thessalonica got got wind of this. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds, doing the same thing. So persecution continued. Let's let's finish reading through the last section, uh, 17, 14 through 15, where we see at the news of this, they were being followed by the Jews from Thessalonica, the brothers, the believers, send Paul away to the coast for safety, while Silas and Timothy stayed behind. And when Paul was escorted as far as Athens, Paul sent for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible uh, to Athens to continue the work. And so they left shortly after. Um, And in the text for next week that Pastor Sean is going to preach, we'll see the same obedience to the Spirit of Christ to continue to preach the gospel and to share the knowledge of Christ to the people in Athens. We'll see the same repetition of obedience. Paul and Silas were on mission, and so the Philippian jailer in chapter 16 and all of his household believed and were baptized. They shared the gospel in Thessalonica against fierce persecution, but some believed, and then they shared the gospel to the Jews in Berea where many believed. So the main point of the message is this. Believers of Christ must know the Word of God and must share the Word of God although persecution may be a result. Paul and Silas and Timothy were on mission. For Jesus said in Acts 1.8, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so they went, therefore, and they made disciples. Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke were witnesses for Christ. They knew Christ through his word and shared the word of Christ to the people around them, even though there was opposition in persecution. Therefore, every Christian who has believed upon Christ witnessed the grace and the love lavished upon us 
has the same responsibility to go therefore and make disciples, to know the word and to share the word. And as we wind up our time, I want to go to a couple different texts here. Uh, Philippians 3, 7 through 8, uh, where Paul says, uh, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That is worthy to be imitated. Paul's aim was to know Jesus and he was willing to count everything else as meaningless and worthless in comparison to knowing Christ and to count it all a loss. And we see an example of what it was like in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 27 for this apostle. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys and danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. You see, knowing Jesus and sharing Jesus costs everything, but it is worth everything. And, and I'm not saying that any of us have to be more like we're going to be the Apostle Paul, but he does say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me in this way. When you know his word and not just a head knowledge, but when you come to feed upon the scriptures and what he says and to trust in him, then that will lead to reasoning and explaining and proving and proclaiming it to those around you. Knowing the word leads to sharing the word, just like hearing the word leads to doing the word. And so I want to leave you with two questions. Kids, you've been very patient. Thank you. Two questions. Number one, What's keeping you from eagerly knowing the word of God daily for the nourishment of your soul? Perhaps other things in your life have taken priority. Perhaps you're having a hard time trusting in God's word. And that's a conversation that I would love to have with you. Maybe it's only a dutiful task. Or perhaps you are reading the word daily, but not necessarily eagerly or expectantly that you are hearing the very words of God. Question number two, and what's keeping you from eagerly sharing the word of God with those who don't believe? Are you afraid that they may dislike you or you'll look like a fool or you're afraid you don't know the word of God well enough or maybe you think you're too busy? What's keeping you from eagerly sharing the word of God with those who don't believe? Believers of Christ must know the word and share the word, even though persecution may be a result. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you empowered Paul and Silas and Timothy to go, therefore, and to make disciples, to preach the greatest news that has ever been decreed, that has ever been proclaimed in all of the world. Lord, this is the message that we get to share. This is the message that we are ambassadors of to the world around us. We are here 
for your glory. And we are here to exalt you. And we are here to open our mouths and speak the truth of God to those who don't believe, no matter the cost. So I pray for us, Father, that you would help us in the obedience of that, that you would keep us from being fearful of what that may mean, and that, um, that, that, that you would empower us on the way to continuing to share the gospel so that we may see people come to know Jesus, so that you may bring many people into the fold uh, who are predestined through our words uh, and through our obedience. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about us, visit our website at harborolympia.com or visit us in person on Sundays at either 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We hope you'll join us this coming Sunday.